Money FM 89.3. Best of drive time. Under the radar. You're listening to Money FM 89.3, and it's now time for Under the Radar with me, Chua Tian Tian. Today, we're going to bring you an inside look into a private equity real estate firm that connects real estate to capital markets. Now, founded in 2016, Q Investment Partners, or QIP, is a Singapore based PE real estate firm that raises funds from institutional investors to buy, develop, and sell buildings to generate investment returns. Now, the firm currently manages and executes around 400 million US dollars of investment value and has some 1.2 billion US dollars worth of real estate investments managed to date. Now, its fund level internal rate of return stands at between 13 and 20%. But how does this differ for the industry and what does the firm look up for when evaluating a potential project and deal? Also, what is its competitive advantage against other players? Now, meanwhile, QIP has 15 properties under its belt, with almost all located within Japan and the UK. Why is this the case and what's next for the firm? Well, for more, I'm joined in studio by Alexander Bellingham, Director and Head of Sales at QIP. Alex, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tian Tian. Very good to be here. I know you've hosted my CEO, Peter, before, and he speaks very highly of you. So thank you very much. Thank you. Great to have you on board as well. And we've briefly talked about QIP as this Singapore based PE real estate firm. But、uh, how would you describe your value proposition and business model? Is it an end to end process for QIP where you gather capital, buy, develop, and sell buildings? And if so, any time horizon for your investments? That's exactly what we do. We, we, we buy sites, we build them, we operate them, and we sell them.、Um, so,、uh, across the spectrum of investors, I know we'll probably touch on investors a bit later on.、Um, so, we cover the spectrum from high net worths to, to family offices to, to, to institutions.、Um, but we don't just do buy, develop, operate, sell. Uh, uh, we also do income producing buildings, but that's very specific to Japan.、Mm. And I believe QIP is looking at the residential living sector in particular, mostly looking at student accommodations and multifamily housing. What are the reasons for that? And I know you're very focused on institutional investors. So, another quick part to this question is any names you can share? What is the average ticket size when it comes to investments in your fund?、Um, so, let me cover the,、uh, the, the, the first question first of all. So, yes, we、uh, institutional investors, we can mention a couple.、Um, so, obviously, Um, there's one in Singapore, which I think we'll reference a little bit later on, which is Soilbuild,、uh, a, a, a great Singapore institution, but also the likes of private equity firm Aries, based out of London, and also J,、uh, Bank Julius Baer, which is based out of Zurich in Switzerland.、Um, so they're probably the main investors. In terms of ticket size, it really varies in terms of the investor. So we can look at high net worth in- individuals that look at a half a million US dollars as a start point through to institutions that invest tens of millions of US dollars.、Hmm. And let's talk about the geographical markets you're in, Alex. You're present in major capital markets. We're talking here about Singapore, Hong Kong, the UAE, and Switzerland. But your real estate properties are mainly concentrated in two markets Japan and the UK. Why is this the case? In, it's entirely down to me.、Um, so so when, I, <laughs> when, I, when we set up the business back in 2016, Uh, I, I essentially started to go to the markets that I knew pretty well for capital. So, yes, we, we source real estate in Japan, the UK, and the US. That's the, that's the investment side of the business. In terms of the capital side of the business, it dictated by me where to go to, where I had contacts. It was as basic as that. So, it started in obviously Singapore because we're, we're based here,、uh, also then Hong Kong because I spent 10 years living there, and then expanded to GCC.、Uh, so, basically,、mm. everywhere in the GCC. 
uh, through to Switzerland, the UK, because that's where we had contact. So it literally was as simple as that. I know it has a lot to do with, uh, you know, your focus in capital markets had a lot to do with your expertise. But on the other hand, when we look at the markets in which you invest in, to what extent is your focus on Japan and the UK due to interest rate differentials uh, against the US per se? Or is this geographical focus uh, really due to higher occupancy rates for multifamily and student accommodation in Japan and the UK? We, we definitely can't ignore uh, interest rates in Japan. That is, that is certainly a driving factor. But, but, but I think ultimately, we, we drill down into the real estate. So for, for us, Japan at the moment is all about uh, income with some capital growth. So obviously, interest rates are very important for that. Uh, the UK is a different story for us because essentially, we look to, to, to develop either by a straightforward development JV or by a forward fund. Um, so, of course, that's kind of a different part of the real estate life cycle. Interest rates are, of course, relevant to you when you're developing, but it's less relevant in terms of the impact on returns. It is obviously, I guess, very simplistic to say that uh, you can't invest in real estate because interest rates are higher. Uh, that is not necessarily true when mm-hmm. we're looking at development assets because ultimately uh, it's an incremental drawdown. You don't draw down all the construction debt uh, from day one. So the, the headline interest rate doesn't necessarily apply. Hmm. And let's take a look at your internal rate of returns specifically, uh, Alex. QIP said its fund level rate of return currently stands at between 13 and 20%. How does this compare with the industry and what does the firm look out for when evaluating a potential project and deal? What would you say is your competitive advantage? There? It's a good question. I think we always have to base it, uh, our business plan on what investors are looking for. Mm-hmm. So let's look at it from an institutional lens. So an institution will always look at these projects on the basis of their cost of capital. So whatever their cost of capital is, has to be our return profile. They will stress test that for sure in terms of our assumptions. Mm -hmm. So it's based on that. So the the cost of capital from institutions will probably start from, let's say, 13%. So no surprises, that's where we kind of sit Mm -hmm. in in, in the return profile. Uh, And that's entirely the expectations industry-wide. But but again, to sort of stress that, the the returns that we put together, the business models that we put together for all of the assets that we do Mm. are stress tested by institutions to make sure uh, that that makes sense. What is your competitive advantage in allowing you to achieve that 13 to 20% IRR then? Um, I, I think uh, I have to kind of make this quite personal in, in mm-hmm. terms of uh, how to answer that for the best, because ultimately we built this business from 2016 with our bare hands, literally. Mm-hmm. So we take it very personally. So so whenever somebody deals with us, whether you're a high net worth or a family office or, or an institution, mm-hmm. every single asset that we put together, we take very, very seriously. Um, so we take it very personally. We invest our own money into each of the assets that, that we put together. That's my money. That's Peter's money. Mm-hmm. That's obviously very important. Um, mm. So that kind of service that we put together, um, that that level of detail that we put together in terms of how we do the assets mm-hmm. is very important. And I think if you talk to our client base, they would probably agree. Again, whether that's a high net worth or a family office or there's mm. an institution, um, what we do, we take very seriously. And we're good at what we do. We we say what we we say what to, what it's, we do what it says on the tin. It, it, it is probably that simple. Mm, it's down to the people, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, if you're just tuning in, we're now in conversation with Alexander Bellingham, director and head of sales at QIP. And in the meantime, uh, Alex, let us take a step back to look at the wider business environment. Uh, you mentioned that overseas real estate investments are increasingly attracting Singaporean institutional money, and at the same time, we are seeing sophisticated. Asian capital and institutions continue to look to the West uh, for investment opportunities. So what's driving this excitement? How does that influence the way in which you take the company forward? I think this is probably a longer answer to that question because it's not that straightforward. And I would say that um, institutions in Singapore have been looking West for quite some time, actually. So it's Mm -hmm. not sort of a recent phenomenon. But I 
I think it is true to say that that interest is increasing at the moment. And that's probably down to recent kind of uh, black swan macro events. So I can go back to the global financial crisis. Mm -hmm. I can actually go back longer because I'm old enough to, to think back that far. But for us, I guess what's relevant is Brexit, obviously, as far as the UK is concerned. Um, then obviously COVID, then the last year. So the, 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 obviously the war between Ukraine and Russia. So we're seeing increasing interest because we have seen real estate be stress tested over the last those last few years mm-hmm. quite significantly. And some real estate asset classes have come out with reputations intact, indeed enhanced. And that is the major focus. So if I can be specific to what we do as a business, you know, the living sector, student housing, co-living, mm-hmm. multifamily and senior living. And I pick out one particular example, which is student housing. We don't need to look too far from where we're sitting at the moment to know there's been interest in student housing for some time institutionally in Singapore. Um, But it's come through COVID with with a great reputation. So we're seeing institutions very interested because of a few reasons. Um, firstly, because obviously where the assets are located in the UK, mm. structurally, it makes sense. Good finance availability, good legal structure, um, scalability, all that sort of stuff. And also, I think just the the sort of personal touch, the comfort factor of knowing those, those markets because, uh, you know, you may have studied there, you've been there regularly, your kids are studying there. Uh, but ultimately, it comes down to macro drivers. It comes down to what the mm. sector is doing and it comes down to returns. So from a macro perspective, uh, we can say with student housing at a very basic level, it's as good as it's ever been. You know, three students for every one bed. You only need to speak to anybody sending a child to university in the UK to know that it kind of it's difficult to find accommodation. Yep. That is driving the sector. And we're seeing sort of even down at the asset level, you know, rental um, increases of, of, of 10% every year mm. at the moment, which is highly unusual. Um, and then returns. I mean, returns, again, we've already touched on return yep. profile, making sure that you can hit that institutional cost of capital effectively on stress-tested real estate assets is probably a long answer to a mm. very short question, the reason why institutions are, are looking increasingly now at these sectors. Mm. And let's talk a little bit about China, right? It recently opened its property market to PE investors earlier this year. How far are you monitoring this? And looking at what's happening in the West and, and also in China, how does that influence the way you take the company forward, be it in terms of your products? Um, yeah, obviously China's interesting. I mean, it's not the only interesting market that we that we look at. So I think if I go beyond the UK, US and Japan, where we are now, I would say other interesting markets are Australia, Northern Europe, which includes Germany, but certainly China is in there. But I think just at a practical level for a private equity real estate business to enter a new market, it's not that straightforward. You, know, you have infrastructure to do to put in place. You have partnerships. I mean, ultimately, real estate is a local business. Um, and uh, you have to do diligence. So we have just done that with Japan. So we entered the, uh, we started looking at the Japanese market, I should say, probably two years ago. A bad time to do it because it was mm. still at the end of COVID. Yeah. We couldn't travel. But we started to put infrastructure in place. We started doing diligence. Then we started buying assets about a year ago. So we've just been through that process. Mm-hmm. So in the short term, not much else is going to happen. But of course, there are a number of markets that we tend to monitor going forward. And China is definitely one. What I would say, though, is, uh, what is interesting to us with China at the moment is is China capital. Mm. Um, so trying to access China capital is a big priority, trying to make sure that we can put the relationships in place where it makes it more efficient, that we are doing at the moment. Mm. And let's wrap up the conversation, Alex, by talking about some recent developments surrounding your company. A QIP recently closed a $50 million uh, US dollar Japan multifamily housing fund uh, in June this year. Uh, how significant will the development be for QIP financially? Uh, very significant. Um, I think, uh, but probably the best way of looking at this is, is a start point in Japan. Mm. So uh, obviously buying a number of assets, totaling the amount that you mentioned is, is very significant to us as a business. 
Um, but it is a start point to Japan for us. So I think um, we're looking to expand that out, let's say, to by another 200 million US dollars in the, in the short to medium term. But I think um, uh, what we're looking at doing with the relevant capital partners and w- when we're courting relevant capital partners is looking beyond what we're doing at the moment. So, mm. yes, we can stay in the core income producing space with some capital growth, depending on the capital that's coming in. But also we can look beyond that. So we can look beyond multifamily housing to other parts of the living sector. We can go to senior living. We can go to... Um, mm. to student housing, for example, we can go to other parts of the real estate life cycle, we can go to value add, we can go to development. So I know in Singapore, in the in the press recently, another major institution has been buying forward purchase developments in Japan. Mm. That is also of interest, but it is very dependent on the capital that comes in with us in terms mm. of how we access that and how we do it. But now the infrastructure is in place and that's super exciting to us. Mm. And talk about capital partners, right? Uh, maybe strategic partners as well. I do want to take a look at this development because uh, QIP announced a 200 million British pounds a joint venture with local institutional investor Soybuilt Group right, to invest in UK student housing. How important is it for you guys to embark on strategic partnerships so that you can acquire larger properties with a larger fund size. Uh, super important. Again, it's um, uh, building these capital partnerships and Soilbuild, great, obviously, Singapore institution to partner with. Um, but our plans are, you know, to go further. Um, so we're looking at another £700 million into student mm-hmm. housing this year and next year. Uh, and again, going through the same process of courting those relevant capital partners to, to get us to that point. But I think the point to make is that student housing is is very um, very very in demand at the moment for the reasons that I kind of mentioned uh, earlier. So we want to be able to take advantage of that. I think we have a moment in time where we have access uh, to good student housing sites. We have access to, to institutional capital. Uh, and again, we want to be able to progress that as, as fast as possible, to be able to scale as fast as possible. You know, scale is very important to us. Mm. And before we let you go, one quick one, Alex. What are some future plans for QIP for the rest of this year? What can we expect here in Singapore? Um, so progression of what we're doing now. So uh, again, ha- as mentioned, obviously the Japanese and uh, also the uh, the UK platforms is something we're working very, very hard on at the moment. But thirdly, let's not forget the US. Um, we are again looking to acquire another couple of sites in the US. We have two so far. Um, so again, building that out, that will probably be started towards the end of this year. And then that'll be obviously going on for the next couple of years as well. So making sure that we have a US platform to kind of rival the Japanese and UK mm. platforms that we have already. Well, thanks a lot, Alex. That was Alexander Bellingham, Director and Head of Sales at QIP. Thank you very much for joining us on Money FM 89.3. Thanks, Tian Chan. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance.